Welcome to episode 80 of the Ask Achieve show where we answer all of your burning questions on all things health, fitness, and business. We're your hosts, Lauren and Jason Pack, and we're on a mission to bring inclusivity and positive vibes to the fitness space. Today's episode is... is... (laughs) Darn it. Today's episode is specifically for all of you coaches out there, and we'll go over some topics such as how to teach functional movements without your clients getting bored, and when to discuss things like goals, mindset, and nutrition with your clients. We hope you're excited. (laughs) Darn it. We hope you're excited. Let's get into the show. (laughs) Some difficulties. Oh my gosh. The further along in pregnancy I get, the less words that I can say or pronounce or even come up with we're exactly two weeks out two weeks out guys this is uh yeah crunch time crunch time i mean and technically it could happen literally any second lauren's water could break mid-episode how exciting of an episode would that be and we would still finish the episode because the show must go on of course yeah we would just bring the mics to the hospital (laughs) (laughs) yeah we probably would yeah yeah um so this episode is geared towards coaches um we got a influx of random messages and questions from um you know coaches out there uh which we always appreciate and like because we um yeah one of the coaches succeed so yeah um all right should we just get started yeah cool so the first one comes from empowered with penny and she said um or she asked when do you talk with your clients about mindset goals nutrition etc do you talk during training sessions or do you set aside dedicated time to discuss topics like this that is a great question. It's a really good question. So what we do is in our initial meeting with someone, which we call a strategy session, but you could call it an assessment, you could call it an evaluation, whatever you want to call it, um, we, but we recommend everybody sits down with their client before they actually start training them to do like an initial intake, yep. right? Um, and during that time, what we mostly focus on is is having a conversation with that person. Our, our, um, our evaluations used to be mostly about like a movement screen and assessments and seeing if they have pain with different things and all of that's important. Yeah. Our primary goal initially was to initially find out about like any asymmetries or imbalances or discrepancies that we can really pinpoint and figure out and be like, yes, you have this issue wrong with you and this is why you need to work with us. That's why you need to train with us, yeah. And now it's like, oh, now it's like like, we like cringe at the thought of us like trying to pick apart what was going on with people, right? Right. So um, now we've kind of remapped it towards, uh, what were you going to say? Yeah, so now, I mean, that still is a part of our, like we still do a physical assessment as a part of our initial consultation. But what we mainly focus on is having a conversation with the person and just getting to know them a little bit better and understanding more of what they need from us and what they are currently struggling with, what they already do well. Um, So we have a lot of leading questions to start to get a better idea of where they're at. Um, So when it comes to goals, like that's, we just do a whole goals assessment form Mm -hmm. and we just say like, what are your goals? And instead of just being like, if they say lose 10 pounds, instead of just being like, okay, great. We're like, okay, why is that important to you? Mm -hmm. And we make them dig a little bit deeper because we want to know, is this really a goal of yours or is it just something that you think you should do? Mm -hmm. Um, and then we start to get into, oh, well, I think it would be easier for me to like do this hundred mile bike ride that I've been hoping to do. And we're like, yeah. okay, that's the goal. And so just kind of digging a little bit deeper to get to people's real underlying goals for wanting to be fitter. Um, but you have to do, you have to 
have created a little bit of trust um, first with that person. So a lot of our early questions are just very simple, like, how did you hear about us? And, um, you know, like, what's your, we ask them what they do for work and what's their living situation and just kind of like easing them in. Icebreaker type of questions where you can just start to develop some rapport and yeah, earn some of that trust and they can just kind of, it doesn't really matter even what you ask. They just need to basically get a sense of your energy and if you jive well together and that's really what they're sensing from just like a subconscious level. And then from there, once they feel comfortable with you, then they'll start to open up more about the nitty gritty stuff that we're actually looking for. Yeah. Um, Another section of our strategy session that uh, we really, really enjoy and we think helps to get a sense of where people are at in terms of mindset and nutrition and recovery, all that kind of thing stuff is that we, we give them, um, we talk to them about how, Fitness is not just, or their fitness journey is not just about the workouts that they do in the gym, but we want to talk to them about their overall health. And that includes things like nutrition, like mindset, like recovery, um, and like fitness. And so we ask them to rate themselves on a scale of one to 10 in all those different categories. And then we ask them why. So we'll say, okay, in terms of nutrition, where would you put yourself right now on a scale of one to 10? And we don't give them too much context because we just want to see what that's going to look like for them. Mm -hmm. So they might say, oh, I'd put myself at like a six. We'll say, okay, great. Why? And usually if I just say why, sometimes people kind of freeze. So I say, okay, you're at a six. So what are you doing well? Because mm. if they put themselves at a six, it's not a one. It's so there's some things that they're doing well. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I start with, okay, great. What are you doing well that puts you, you know, at a six? And so they'll list out like, oh, I make sure to eat vegetables and I try to make sure that I don't like eat a ton of dessert. And I'm like, great. Okay. And then why aren't you a 10? And then I'll let them give a, a couple things that they might struggle with with nutrition. And we'll, in this strategy session, we'll just kind of leave it at that. We don't go, we don't start to talk to them about solutions to their nutrition problems or their recovery problems, anything like that at that point. We just want to get a sense of where they're coming from, where they feel like they're at. And it gives us a starting point for having those discussions later on. Um, But I think in that initial session, it's important not to just start like spewing out advice because Mm -hmm. they don't, you haven't really taken the time to build that trust yet. Um, Hopefully it's happening, but it's a little early in the process, I would say. Yeah. And then not only that, like advice has to be contextual. And so if you just start spewing advice, Um, that makes them meal plan and go to the gym six times a week and then you find out they travel all the time with their parents and they can only make it in once or twice a week, then all that advice gets thrown out the window. So it has to be contextual. So finding out first what their situation is, what their living situation is, what is going on in their work environment, and then dispensing information after achieving that information first. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Um, So mindset, we do the same thing. We ask them on a scale of one to 10, rate their mindset. And usually people are like, don't even know where to start. They're like, Mm -hmm. what do you mean? And so I'll usually say something like, well, would you say that you're typically um, a little bit more negative or a little bit more positive? Or are you a little harder on yourself versus you have like positive self-talk? And then people start to figure out what we're getting at. And they're like, a lot of people will end up being like, oh, well, yeah, I can definitely be hard on myself. I definitely can compare myself to other people. And they start to open up about that kind of stuff. Um, So that's all just information gathering. And then in terms of when we actually start discussing those sorts of things with them, it really just depends on what they present to us from session to session. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think it has to be very organic. It can't be like, okay, we're going to talk about your mindset today. And doing it that way just becomes uh, way too contrived and way too forced of a conversation. 
um, we definitely let them present with whatever might be going on and then we reroute the conversation to be about more of a developing more of a uh, what's the opposite of Close mindset, growth mindset, growth, <laughs> more of a growth mindset style of things. Or uh, maybe if they open up s- about some stuff about nutrition, we can dig a little bit deeper. But we don't like to lead off of it because people just might not be ready to talk about that thing at that time, um, you know, at that session. Um, so we let that happen really organically. However, what we do do is do a lot of things to set up their environment or provide to them information in ways that they just kind of absorb it just like through osmosis. So a lot of our social media feed has a lot of mindset type of advice um, for any of our members that listen to our podcast. Obviously, we dispense a lot of this advice um, in our newsletter. We do it. Um, in the initial che- like thing that they get, like we give them a handout when they first join. Yeah, a pamphlet that yeah. uh, just gives them just a general overview of mindset tips, nutrition tips for success, uh, recovery tips for success, things like that. Um, within Achieve itself, um, we, we've got these four boards. Um, we call it the Unify Approach, and that's what we call it within Achieve. And basically, we've got tips that coaches write, or Achieve coaches write, um, in, that pertain to mindset, nutrition, movement, and recovery. And they write their like, top tip of the month up on those boards. And so basically, they're getting inundated with a lot of this sort of talk and then over time, it just becomes very natural to talk about it and open up about it. And so it becomes very, um, you know, much of an easy process. So I think for you, um, if you are just a personal trainer at, at a, just a private club, it might be good to maybe start like a newsletter or have your clients become, you know, your Instagram or your social media followers so that you can start to post about these things. And they sort of just kind of like get it through osmosis by scrolling through their feeds and then over time they might bring up like hey i really enjoyed that one post you talked about you're being so vulnerable and authentic and it really resonated with me and then that suddenly opens up the door for you to be like oh what what part of that really resonated with you and then you can dig deeper and deeper and that really furthers that relationship and then you can create a much stronger bond and it just opens up those doors yeah 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 so that's pretty much the process and that's exactly so the, the number one is just being um like asking a lot of questions and making them feel comfortable with you mm-hmm. before giving any advice so that's kind of the the biggest thing is before you just start giving mindset tips and giving nutrition yeah. tips get let them trust you first and build that trust first by just caring about them showing them that you're there for them um but not necessarily somebody who's going to just be a guru quote unquote who's going to like spew advice to them yeah and step two is to start organically spreading that advice through whatever means you have so if you have a social media account or if you have a newsletter things like that just start to put information out there that your clients can see Mm -hmm. and then step three is once they approach you with wanting to know more about it then either setting a time aside time during a session or you can do if you're a nutrition coach or anything like that you can actually have that as an upside as a way to upsell your services. So yeah, that's true. like for us, we have nutrition consultations because we have coaches who have gone through the process of actually getting nutrition certifications and they have more knowledge to share and they can actually set aside a time to sit down with a client for an hour and go over a full consultation and charge for that. Yeah. Um, so there's definitely different ways to do it, but hopefully understanding that step-by-step process helps to break that down a little bit. Yeah. Cool. Awesome. Thank you. All right. Good question. So next one, this one comes from Sean Nealon. And he said, I have a burning question for your podcast. (laughs) 
I am a brand new trainer at a gym and I'm having a hard time teaching basic functional movements like the deadlift or squat. I spend a lot of time, a lot of the training session time trying to help the clients perform the movements correctly. And I'm worried that they'll become bored and not see the value in what they're doing. Do you have any tips to expedite the learning curve or do I just need to be patient? This, this is a fantastic Such question. Such a good question. Um, and clearly they are, they've, they've, delve into, I think, a lot of good informational sources and they're trying to apply it. And this is what happened to Laura and I at first as well. It's like, like we were learning so many things about like corrective exercise drills and breathing and proper movement first before loading and uh, making sure that you're mindful before approaching higher intensity type exercise. And we would go through like to these courses and it just makes so much sense and we wanted uh, like the best for our members. And so we would do it that way. Um, but in the back of our minds, we're like, you know, do they, do they, do they think this is a good workout? Like, um, you know, if they're not like really sweating and in a puddle on the floor and they see their friends or other people on like social media and they see those images and they think that that leads to a good workout. Um, like, does that mean that they're going to leave us? Like they're going to second guess our, our approach. Exactly. Yeah, definitely. We totally went through that. Yeah. It was very difficult. Yeah. Um, and so... I think it's really just being confident in your approach mm -hmm. and knowing that you are doing what's best for them. Um, one compromise that we did make was, let's say the session was a little bit, you know, slower paced, more mindful and really targeting more like um, inefficient area. So it wasn't like a deep burn or anything like that. We would always finish with a finisher or some sort of hit training workout like doing battling ropes or doing um, mountain climbers or things that are pretty, you know, pretty self-limiting um, in that they weren't going to hurt themselves. Um, like we weren't doing like high repetition box jumps or something like that um, in order to, to finish off with the cardiovascular effect. So that's, that's kind of how we balance it out a little bit, right? Yeah, definitely. Um, do you have any other advice beyond that? I would say one of the things that really helped um, I think both of us and help even now to achieve because even now, like we have people come in and we do a very basic first program, um, that we call like a foundational phase. Mm -hmm. And it does really go over the very basics of the squat, the deadlift, push up, TRX row. It's, it's pretty simple. Um, and so what we like to tell people is like the way we actually freeze, what we're going to be doing together is we're going to set a really, really solid foundation for movement with you so that you can then move on to do some really cool things in the gym mm. without ever hurting yourself, without ever fearing that you're gonna have an, get an injury. So because you have such a good foundation. Yeah. So give them a little bit of a peek into their future. Basically say like, the reason that we're doing this is because I, you, I want you to be able to go do those really cool yeah. things, but I want you to be able to do them safely, effectively, actually get a good benefit out of that, out of that exercise. Um, so just letting them know that you have a plan. Mm -hmm. As if they're just if you're just teaching them like this deadlift and they have no idea what it's going to lead to and why you're doing it why are you spending so much time trying to make me keep my back flat mm -hmm. like if they don't understand why they may be a little bit more hesitant but when they see like that you actually have a plan for them and like there's a reason that you're doing this because you want to be able to get them to do x y or z they're going to feel a lot more confident in what you're doing and they're going to be like oh wow he like really thought this through yeah and it's really important to do this all preemptively and so we do this after um, their first session, right as they're about to wrap up their finisher or uh, when they wrap up their finisher. And then we just pull them aside, kind of recap the session and basically reiterate 
that yes, the, the, the session probably wasn't the most challenging workout that they have gone through or could have gone through, but it is setting them a foundation for success for um, you know the future, for the long term. Um, and so we set that stage up front right away so that they don't come up to us and we look like we're scrambling to create some sort of explanation for it. No, it's actually part of the process and that's why we're saying it's so upfront. Yeah. Um, and then secondly, let's say, you know, a couple, like it's easy to say that in, in the first month, right? People can be patient a little bit within those first three, four weeks, but let's say, you know, two to three months in, it's like, man, this person is really having a difficult time learning squat mechanics or learning hinge mechanics, things like that. You can still work on that piece using body weight type of exercises and really coaching that part up um, from a mindful standpoint. But that doesn't mean you don't you can't load them really challenging ways through things like farmer carries or bench pressing or pull-ups or TRX rows, things that really challenge the upper body. Because then you can say, hey, we really want to try to work on your movement quality with your lower body, but your upper your man, your upper body is so strong, we're gonna really load you up here. And then over time, your all these corrective drills and all this movement training is gonna really help out your lower body, and then we can combine the two and just like make it so that there is a plan up ahead and that you're just focusing on the process um, and that you are trying to get them to that point. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And then I would say like, just to reiterate what you said earlier, Jason, is just confidence and mm-hmm. like knowing that you are doing what's best for, like you know that you're doing what's best for your clients and that's the most important thing and to be able to show them that you know that you're doing what's best for them yeah, is, is gonna just help you feel more confident, more comfortable, help them feel more comfortable with you. Mm -hmm. Um, I I don't think there's like tips to expedite the learning curve. And, and that's the thing is that the only way to do that is to just coach more people. It's just, you know, like you just have to get more hands-on experience, but there are certain ways that you can, like what I would recommend doing is starting to write down like the cues that really, that you saw really work right Mm away. If you're like struggling to try to get somebody to hinge properly and you told them use like three or four different cues and one of them really worked, try it again, try that one first on the next person. And then just start to collect like what seems to work for the most amount of people and just keep writing notes to yourself after sessions about what went well, what was a little bit harder, which cues didn't seem to work for that person. And eventually you'll come up with your own collection of what the way that it seems like whatever, however you communicate, the way that that seems to resonate with the most people. And you'll just kind of create your, you'll be able to dwindle down your um, your library of cues because you yeah. probably have a lot of things in your floating around in your head. You've probably heard a lot of different ways of explaining exercises and you try to use them all yeah. right now because you're not sure which one is going to be best. So eventually over time, you're just going to figure out which ones tend to resonate with the most people. Yeah, and you know, like th- this process doesn't stop as you get more and more experience. Like I remember a few years ago, um, Lauren, uh, we were teaching a kettlebell course and one of the, the, the people there, they were having a difficult time sitting back in their swing through their hinge. And I was giving them just like general, like go-to ones that I always go to, like just sit back more or allow your torso to lean forward or really try to push your hips back and reach the wall. And I kept coming over and, and they just weren't really understanding what I was uh, presenting to them. And then I remember you walked over, said one thing to them, and suddenly their swings were looking a lot better. And I went over to uh, the guy, and I was like, "I was like, what, what, what did Lauren say to you? Like, it's looking so great right now." And he said that you told him to think about pushing the bell back as far as possible. Yeah. And I was like, "Oh, like it was just like <laughs> it was like a light bulb moment." Now it's like I I use that cue quite a bit 
Um, but that was only just a few years ago. So it's just like, you, 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 once you get more experience, you'll have these light bulb moments where like, oh, that cue would work well with such and such person. And you just develop this lexicon and that you can really categorize based upon each person and what they're exhibiting. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Cool. Really good question. Um, and then our third question comes from Led Sartori. And she asked, when working as a personal trainer for elderly population, do you suggest using the same physical evaluation as other clients? Um, and I think this is a great, great question. Also a good topic just to touch on in general is just working yeah. with different populations mm-hmm. and how to modify. Um, so in terms of working with an elderly, elderly population, um, we would do a version of the evaluation that we do that we actually, I shouldn't even say elderly population. This is what we do with every single person who walks in our doors. Yeah, we have true. a an evaluation that we do. And it involves a squatting pattern, a hinging pattern, a straight leg raise, a push-up, um, like to work to look at their trunk stability. Um, it involves a bunch of different things. But as soon as the person walks in the door, and as soon as we get a little context on their background, on their physical capabilities, on any injuries that they have, in our heads, we're already modifying our evaluation mm. to make sure that it's going to make that person still be comfortable, but also still give us the information that we need. Yes. Yeah. So those are the there's the balancing act there, and it's not going to be the same for every population. It's going to be actually different for every single person. Yeah. And so, I mean, basically the goal of the assessment or evaluation is to gain information. And now you can do this by making sure that the person is challenged enough where they develop some sort of, you know, some sort of impetus to uh, have some potential change going on within the pattern. And so if the pat, if, if the exercise is too easy, then we can't get any information. If the exercise is too hard, then we also can't get any information. So we need to find that sweet spot. And so we just try to make sure that the person is feeling challenged but still successful so that we get the information, but we also make sure that they know that they are still capable of doing whatever that we have asked of them. Right? Yeah, like a great example would be, so we typically do an overhead squat. Mm-hmm. So we have a dowel in their hands, the dowel's overhead, and they squat down as low as they can. And for somebody who's coming in who is you know on the younger side and is fairly physically fit, like we just don't even hesitate. We just say like, okay, hold this dowel overhead and let me see a squat. Um, if somebody comes in and they're like, I've had five shoulder surgeries and like my, my shoulder is always in pain anytime I raise it above 90 degrees and we ask them to do an overhead squat, all that they're going to be thinking about is how much, how uncomfortable their shoulder is that yeah. they won't even be able to focus on the squat and we won't actually get a good picture of how they squat. We'll get a good picture of how much pain they're in, in mm-hmm. their shoulder. So instead of doing that, we're just going to have them do a squat without reaching their arms overhead so we can get that information because we already know that their shoulder doesn't feel good overhead. Yeah. We already have that information. Um, so it's just those types of modifications that you can make because you ask some questions up front right. or, or sometimes you do have to make some assumptions. Yeah. Right? I mean, and, yeah. And if like, you know, if they're going through that overhead squat and their shoulders in pain, they're going to think to themselves, this is just the first thing that I've done in here yeah. and I can't do it. And I'm in pain. Like I can't possibly envision myself continuing on in the future because the workouts must be so much worse. Right. Um, and so, like, you just have to balance that that psyche. I mean, like, when we first went through FMS, um, this was a common question. And what Gray's answer, uh, Gray was the physical therapist um, who developed the FMS, um, the, uh, the functional movement screen, which is a, 
you know, one of the original evaluation processes, I guess. Um, and he said that the screen wasn't, it was, it was species specific, not person specific. Um, and I thought that was a pretty good line. Um, however, that doesn't take into account that the, the our species is very, you know, we're very emotional beings. And so we need to make sure that we take that into account. We're not just robots where it's like, do the overhead squat and then we get the information and that person doesn't feel anything at all. They're going to feel either successful or unsuccessful with it, competent or incompetent with it. So we just have to make sure that we always balance these emotional reactions to what we're doing. Yeah. Um, and I think the language that we use around like going off of that, the language that we use around the assessment process is really important as well. Mm -hmm. So making people feel successful, um, in what you're asking them to do, or even if they know that it wasn't exactly what we asked them to do, like say they, they know that they can't get sit down very well in a squat yeah. and they say like, Oh, I've never been able to squat. Well, I've always been bad at squatting. Yeah. And we can say like, actually what we just saw was that your, your knees were tracking your toes, which is exactly what we're looking for in the, in the pattern like of that squat. The only thing that was limited was your range of motion. So it might just be that you have some tightness in your ankles and we can totally work on that with some foam rolling and some ankle mobility drills. Mm. Yeah. So you just go through this, like, you know, not making it a big deal that they aren't able to perform something to the level that they even might think that you're hoping they can. Yeah. And so showing them that you're, you're actually, you're impressed. Yeah. Like no matter what, just show them that you're impressed with something that they did. Yeah. Give them that confidence boost. Like, actually I was looking for that. Like you did exactly what I wanted to see. I just, what we can do, what I learned now from this is that this is, these are the things we can work on and this is the plan to get there. And then they trust you because you again have like created this bond with them and you've made them feel a little bit more comfortable and they also see like wow they actually have a plan they actually have an idea of how to get me better yeah and notice the delivery there um lauren started off with a very positive statement and now that's really good however if you just say something positive when they know that they there could have been uh, improvements there then they view that positivity as just kind of like emptiness yeah and so you had to follow it up with something that they could improve upon. And then not only do you have to follow it up with something you can improve upon, but something that you can do to make sure that you improve it, right? So it's, it's just a very, this, this loop of positive and then be constructive and then do something positive about that constructive person. <laughs> yeah. Um, and it's this like loop that really ties it all together, right? Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Um, so other, other little considerations for like specifically this question was for elderly population. If, if somebody has a hard time getting up and down off the ground, trying to keep that in mind, mm -hmm. um, that don't do a lot of exercise or at least try not to do all of the assessments, sorry, try to do all of the assessments that are on the ground at the same time. So yep. don't have them getting up and down as frequently. Yeah, like definitely. if you're like, okay, now we're going to do a squat. Now you're going to lay on your back. Now you're going to get up and do a lunge. Now you're going to go on your stomach. Like they're going to feel uncomfortable because they're they're just not comfortable getting up and down. Yeah. Um, but if you feel you need to do some floor-based things, that's fine. Just do them all together all at the same time. Yeah. Um, what, are, what other considerations during assessments do we typically uh, make? I mean, at this, like previously we had some exercises, um, like from the functional movement screen where they would be effectively balancing on the kit or doing something in regards to balance. Um, and what was happening was there were some exercises where they would fall off the kit or they would knock the kit over. Um, and obviously that's just not a very, you know, good feeling for either party involved because 
not only did you make them feel unsuccessful, but now they feel really unsuccessful with the movement. So we decided to take away actually all balance type movements, right? Yeah, yeah. And we can get a sense of, you can get a sense of their balance just by watching them walk. Exactly. Just <laughs> like seeing gait their gait pattern. Yeah, just yeah. observing them throughout their, uh, their sessions. And like, we know that for us in our programming, we're not going to go super crazy into unsupported single leg exercises right off the bat. And so that whole first few months are all just a, an assessment anyway. Actually, actually yeah, yeah that, that's, that's, that's the big the thing. ultimate thing. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, the big thing is that the assessment doesn't just end after this first time. It, yeah. Your workouts and your programs should be constant evaluations and constant assessments. It's just a less of a formalized thing. It's just more of an observational thing. Um, and so, you know, uh, for me in the past, I spent a lot of time making, crafting the perfect <laughs> assessment and spending so long trying to figure out all these details. And what you'll find is that the next month after a solid program and solid coaching, their assessment completely changes if you actually did one again, because their movement quality is improved. And so it just doesn't make that much sense. So it's just get the information that you need in the quickest amount of time possible while still making the person feel successful. And that's the goal of your initial eval. Yeah. And somebody actually an achiever recently asked me, she was like, so when do I do that assessment thing again? <laughs> and I was like, well, actually we, we usually don't retest you on it. And she was like, really? And she seemed so surprised. And I was like, well, I don't know if you know this, but we're always watching you. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, you know, we're, we're constantly actually reevaluating your movement as we watch you as you're going through your program. Yeah. And she was like, oh, that makes so much sense. And so then I talked to her about like part of the assessment was a squat. And we just had you do it body weight. Now we're watching you squat with a bar on your back, but we're still looking at your form and still making sure that things are going well, that you're not limited in any way. And if you are, we're making note of that and putting it in your next program. So um, even, yeah, I mean, it's worth explaining to people too that the this is not the end. This is not like they're, they're now this, like attached to this number if it's the FMS or attached to this right. thing. It's just constant reevaluation every single time you're working with the person. All right, so those are all the questions that we have, but we do have a quick special announcement. Yes, we've got a special announcement. Um, and so Lauren and I have been in the process of creating this online community of coaches, as well as an educational platform for fitness professionals. And so what we realized was, as we were building our um, just, I guess, social media, just profile, what we noticed was that even though we were super targeted and focused on just giving out tips and nutritional advice and content for the general population, a lot of coaches were coming up to us asking if we can be mentors or asking very specific questions on what they can do to you know, improve their client's success. Um, and the more we got, the more we were like, you know, it would have been awesome if we had a resource and just a community to bounce ideas off of when we were first starting. We kind of had to go to different certifications and different organizations and different people and mentors and kind of over time develop our system and our approach. But what if we had something that just basically laid, it, laid out everything? And so we've developed modules where it starts with the A to Z of how to get into the personal training industry. And that's picking your certification, that's how to get your first job as a personal trainer, and then how to go about selling yourself as a personal trainer. And then we go into how to evaluate a person once you've sold them into your program, how to then go about coaching and communicating with them, how to go about programming for them long-term, 
how to go about executing exercises like squatting, hinging, pushing, pulling, single leg exercises, core work, power development, all those things that we break down, as well as talking about nutrition, talking about more advanced considerations for people that have injuries. We talk about personal branding. So we developed all these modules to make basically what we wanted was what would we have wanted? What information would we have wanted when we first got into the industry and what would have accelerated our progress? And so we've got all those modules mapped out. And then not only that, our, the biggest thing that we're excited about is just developing a community of other like-minded coaches that can just help spread positivity, inclusivity, the things that we're looking for to their clients and to their members. And so we can help spread our mission even further than we could just, just by ourselves and just with our coaches. And we think that um, this is just going to be an, just an awesome way to go about doing that. Yeah, we're so excited. We've been filming these modules for the last several months. Yeah. Um, and they're almost done, which is yeah. good timing because the baby's on its way. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, we're, when, do we, when do we think we're going to launch? It's going to be in the next three to five weeks or so, probably. Awesome. Yeah. yeah. So we'll be we'll be posting about it a little bit more on our social media site. So make sure you're following us on Instagram. It's Achieve Fitness Boston. That's where we typically post the most. And our stories will typically um, put up anything new that we're doing. If you're looking for more information, go to www.achievementors.com. That's the name of the just the platform itself. And there you can sign up by registering your email address. And basically all those people on our list are going to get first dibs on first spots as well as um, extra bonuses and just the, the first in line to have more information about the actual product itself. And so we're super excited about it. We've worked on it for quite a bit now. We're just excited to have something out there for personal trainers, for fitness professionals um, that's just really just helps accelerate and guide them and mentor them. I mean, that's yeah. why it's called Achieve Mentors um, throughout the process. Yeah. Super excited. Cool. Woo, special announcement over. And those are all of our answers to your burning questions as well. So if you have any further burning questions, please send them to us at Achieve Fitness Boston on Instagram. You can DM us there or you can always send us a Facebook message um, or you can comment on a post on Instagram and we'll try to take questions from there as well. Yeah. And until next time. Peace. Love. And, and muscles. muscles.